Warning, the following might be a bit triggering to people who are sensitive to graphic violence, strong language, and sexual themes. Viewer discretion is advised. Okay. We're back. Welcome, everyone, to I Can Go Twice as High, the show where I read a book... Chapter 13, I am on the last of my face-off, uh, we'll just see how this goes. Jesse, then, you remind me of a surgeon, comes the, you remind me of a surgeon, nah, I can't do better than that, I can do better than that. You remind me of a surgeon. Comes the accented voice behind me as I stand in front of the table. The various wrenches and socket sets line neatly. Boxes ready for the clamps and bolts and fasteners. To the right, rags of my hands. Rags for my hands and the tools to my left. Sealers and lubricants waiting to be grabbed. The Aston Martin manual open to the table of contents. I've heard this before. The guys in shop class used to break my balls about it. I glance over my shoulder to see Victor at the garage door, dressed all in black. It helps the work go faster when you know where things are. I see the hoist worked. He eyes the seized engine now sitting on the ground. Yep, easy. It's a good one. Not one an ordinary person would have access to. I don't want to know where he got it. He drops a notebook and pen on top of the tools. Write down everything you need in here. The sooner you get the list to me, the sooner I can appropriate the parts. He turns with the sound of the entrance gate opening. An adrenaline rush hits me as the silver BMW pulls up. Oh boy. Can't help but watch Alexandria's long legs as she climbs out of her car, pulling her messenger bag out with her. Where have you been? I had a midterm. I told you that. Her tone is, I had a midterm. I told you that. Her tone is soft, but it only seems to anger him more. And I told you that I will not pay for these courses if they interfere with our lives. Obviously, Victor isn't too keen on the idea of her in school. That doesn't surprise me. What's going to happen when she actually becomes a nurse? She dips her head and seems to force, yes, Victor, through gritted teeth. Excuse me? I slides into her words, into his words, as he closes the distance. Have you forgotten? Do we need to talk more about this when I get home later? She lifts her head, her jaw set differently, defiantly. No, Victor. He pauses, his hand twitching at his thigh. 
I don't know what has gotten into you lately, but I don't like it. Alexandria. I didn't marry a defiant girl, and you are becoming defiant. Get inside. I turn away just as she storms past, her heels clicking fast and hard against the stone walkway. I give her everything she could possibly want, and she is still not happy, he mutters. And when I glance over, I realize he's talking to me. What? They never are, are they? It's the only response I can think of. She defiantly, she definitely isn't happy. They, what a, what a punk. Could have just said nothing. You really have to say they never... They, women never are happy, are they? Eh, that's a tangent. Hey, it's only been one tangent so far. That's good. All right. I can say she definitely isn't happy. I can say that much. I'm guessing he wouldn't be either if he knew what happened between his wife and me. Just... Well, I mean, yeah, I guess not. Just one kiss, though. I mean, come on. I don't know. Never, never really had that happen to me before. Like someone I love and then found out that they kissed someone else. I remember, like, an ex of mine, like, in early high school, like, pulled someone in to kiss them. And knew I was looking. And that hurt. But, um... Yeah. Oh. Weed's weird. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would he slap me like he did her? How would he react? He smirks as if that's the answer he was hoping for me to he was hoping for me. I would be late. Remember the list. Five minutes later, Victor already gone. The interior door at the back of the garage opens and Alexandria steps out. She's still dressed the same though she's traded her heels for slippers and her white blouse is untucked and hanging out. All the flashy jewelry has been stripped off of her body. Are you hungry? She holds up a plate and two bottles of beer. Oh my god, okay, what's gonna happen? My stomach grumbles at the sight. The last thing I stuffed into my mouth was a hot pocket at breakfast. Hot pocket. Starving, actually. I hold up my filthy hands. She smiles and points to the door she just came out of. Inside and to the left. I follow her instructions into a mudroom that is separated from the rest of the house 
by a heavy door on the opposite end, and is the size of Boone's and mine's living room. When I return to the garage with clean hands, Alexandria has set up a blue folding chair next to the table and cleared some space for my dinner. She's standing in front of the engine, her arms folded across her chest, a beer in one hand. So, Victor hired you to fix this? I stroll over to the plate. Yep. Um, last night, uh, standing in front of the urinal, stabbing a piece of stew meat. Why did you have to say that? Why'd you have to say it? I just really don't like the word urinal, okay? Okay? And every time someone says urinal, I have a vivid image of someone going to the bathroom at a urinal. It's disgusting. What? Alexa, set a 15-minute pizza timer. <laughs> Stop saying urinals, everyone. Everyone just stop saying urinals. Stop saying potty, too. That's also banned. Okay? No one's allowed to say urinal or potty anymore. So I decree. You're only allowed to say restroom or bathroom. I have to go to the restroom. I have to... Go to the bathroom. You can say pee. I have to pee, but it's a little weird. You can say I gotta piss, which is also a little weird. You cannot say I I gotta go I gotta go potty. No one can say that. No one. That's not a thing anymore. I'm looking at you, Michigan. I know you've been the one that's spreading that. Michigan to all my Michigan viewers. <laughs> All right. Ah, fuck. Where was I? Okay. So, Victor hired you to fix this? I stroll over to the plate. Yep. Last night, standing in front of the urinal, stabbing a piece of stew meat, I shove it into my mouth. Wow, I mumble un around a mouthful. Did you make this? One of my duties is Victor's wife. There's no missing the bitterness. Victor's lucky, lucky to have a wife who cooks like this. I wonder how often she hears that, because all I've heard is ridicule. Sure, he kissed her once, but so have I. <laughs> I feel her eyes on me as I shovel in hunks of meat and potato like a man starved. Oh, you just know a woman wrote this. It's great. I love women writers. They are the best. They are. They make all the good books. They made Frankenstein. Thank you, women, for Frankenstein. From the bottom of my cold, cold heart. 
mommy, hung shelf and mixed potatoes, like a man starved. Growing up with a surgeon and a police officer for parents. Oh, fuck. I'm so sorry. I'm so... Oh, that's so unprofessional. Oh. The show is just going downhill. In a ball... In a blaze of glory. Yeah, I guess that counts. Ugh. All right. Growing up with a surgeon and a police officer for parents, I didn't get a lot of home-cooked meals. And the few I did weren't memorable. My mom may be a genius in the operating room, but in the kitchen she's limited to a box of spaghetti and a jar of pasta sauce. Before I can place the plate on the table, she's diving for it. Let me get that. Thanks. I try her name out on my tongue. Alexandria. It's Alex. Call me Alex. She pushes a loose strand of hair back behind her ear when it's just us. But not when it's not. Victor prefers Alexandria. Of course. She looks down at the plate in her hands. Did you really enjoy that? Yeah, it was fantastic. Why? Because you left half of it. No, I didn't. I ate the entire... Oh. I grin sheepishly. I've been picking vegetables out of my food for so long. It's second nature now. What the goddamn... You, you, don't, you don't eat any vegetables? God. Is a man. Jesse's a man. He's a manly man from fucking Sisters, Oregon. God damn it. Uh, ate all the good stuff, I offer, hoping she isn't offended by the tidy pile of peas and carrots I left behind. God knows I've heard enough about starving children from my mother for the past 24 years, because I'm a man. Yeah. She smiles. So, not a big fan of vegetables. What about fruit? Tomato sauce. That's not... Her voice drifts off with a sigh, her eyes flickering with amusement. You must have driven your mother nuts. Maybe if she cooked more... I would have better eating habits. You're blaming your mother? Exactly. I suck back the rest of my beer and, and hand it to her. Thank you. You don't have to serve me, though. I know. She bites the inside of her mouth. Victor wouldn't like me in here with you. Aren't you worried about being caught on camera? And Why is she telling me this at all? No. There aren't any cameras in here, or anywhere in the house. Victor thinks that people can hack into them and watch us. There are cameras around the perimeter of the property, as well as an alarm system, though. You probably shouldn't tell people all sorts of things, I warn. You don't know me. You're right, I don't. 
those pretty eyes regard me for a long moment. I feel like I do. I can't keep my gaze from dropping to her mouth as I murmur. I think I know what you mean. She stands across from me in front of the engine. So, how long do you think it'll take you to finish this car? My birds! I like birds. Not sure. Depends on how many distractions I have. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Like right now, I'd rather be looking at her than playing with this engine. And I love nothing more than playing with engines. <laughs> Her beer bottle pauses at her lips. She clears her throat and begins to move away. Well, I should probably get back to studying. I have another midterm next week. I misread my... She misread my words. She thinks I'm trying to get her to leave. Bring your books out here. I suggest casually, testing the bolts on the manifold. They're corroded. Not surprising. Yeah? A hint of something in her voice pulls my attention up. Excitement, perhaps. Is it excitement about spending time with me, or just a warm body in general? I wonder how often they have people over here, and how often Victor is actually home with her. Something tells me she spends a lot of time alone. Yeah. I scan the front of her shirt, the outline of her bra underneath just barely visible. You may want to change out of... Anything nice, though. Things tend to get dirty around here. That could be taken in an, in, a, in an entirely different way. I don't normally say shit like that, but she seems to bring it out of me. She gives me a small smile. Okay, I'll be back. Even with her shirt hanging long, I can see her hips sway as she strolls toward the door. And then I remind myself that that's Victor's... Three apostrophes in the in a row? And then I remind myself that that's apostrophe S yes, Victor's Petrova's wife. That's wrong. Victor's apostrophe S yes, Petrova's apostrophe S yes, wife. That's wrong. That's a typo. I found a typo. I didn't know typos were still in were still were in books. Let's say it right. And then I remind myself that that's Victor Petrova's wife. I'm in his garage and working on his car. And I don't believe for one second that this place isn't under some kind of surveillance. I dive back into the engine, keeping my attention glued to it until I hear the door open again and Alexandria's slippers pad across the concrete floor. Gotta love slipper sounds from a sexy lady. Am I right, fellas? Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Right. Here. I look up to find another beer in her hand. Is this her vodka? And you don't like vodka much. 
How do you know that? I frown as I take the bottle. Our fingers graze, and I temporarily forget my question. Because you looked like you were forcing it down at the cellar. You were watching me? Now I can't help but stare openly at her. Changed into jeans, a fitted t-shirt, stretch over what... Oh boy, here we go. Okay. This is good writing. Good, good, good job. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Now I can't help but stare openly at her. Changed into jeans, a fitted t-shirt stretched over what I'm guessing is a B-cup chest. Her, Her hair pulled into a bun, reminding me of Amber when she used to get dressed up for ballet on Saturday mornings. Except it's Friday night, and Alex can't be mistaken for a nine-year-old. Why did we... I'm not going crazy, right? They just keep bringing up, like, children's ages when talking about a woman's beauty. That's weird. Get me all into a sexy mood and then nine-year-olds. Like, what? Whoa. What's happening? Oh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Whew. All right, here we go. Uh, nine-year-olds. Great. Uh, you kept your head down the entire time. Her cheeks flush. Well, how would you know unless you were watching me the entire time? Caught. It says that. It says caught. I go back to my engine, a smile now affixed to my face. She has a confident streak in her. Victor doesn't let me drink, she admits. Then she leans her head back and, closing her eyes, pours the beer down her long, slender throat. A confident, rebellious streak. Yeah, there's going to be some, like, graphic boning in this book. I, I bet you. I bet you. And if there's not, I'm going to be disappointed. Quite frankly, if I don't get some motherfucking poo-tang happening some point in this book, then... Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a mite unhappy, my good man. Um, you don't talk much. It's too quiet in here. Do you mind if I put on some music? Go nuts. Inviting her in here might have been a bad idea after all. I can't keep my eyes off of her ass as she strolls over to the radio on the back wall. She punches in a few buttons and an alternative rock station comes on. Oh, thank God, I mutter, turning my focus back to my task. What? I shake my head. Oh my God, I fucking knew this was coming. I was afraid you were going to put that trance shit on from the club. Oh no, she shudders. I can't stand that music. 
Or that place. The people there are all phony and vapid. I hate when Victor makes me go. Oh, boy. Man, as much as, like, I'm, like, laughing at all the the writing and everything, um, I gotta admit, you know, like, I would be in this situation. I, I would... I, like, I, I would, I would, you know, it's it's probably what a guy would think. I mean, some of it, at least, you know. Like, like I feel like I am this guy in this situation, you know, so take that for what you will. Oh, man. I'm, like, nervous. She walks back over to... Th- Stand near the engine, leafing through the manual. Silence lasts for only a minute before she asks, Do you have a girlfriend? Uh, nope. The hesitation swirling around her is palpable. Why not? Guess I haven't met the right girl yet. I broke up with Cheyenne six months ago after... Dating on and off for close to a year. It was never serious. Not to me, anyway. And I can't say that I miss her. I certainly don't miss being accused of looking at or talking to or flirting with another girl every single day. And I never was, not knowingly anyway. Which made it ironic when I found out she was screwing around with her brother's friend. Oof. It's not very good. A past relationship would mean something to me. I don't necessarily agree with what this gentleman is saying. There are are past relationships where I've been like, that... I will cherish that forever. Some no, but date somebody for six months. I mean, yeah, that that means something. I don't know. Just what this old fogey thinks. My husband is sleeping with that waitress, Priscilla. Alex just throws it out there so matter-of-factly that I take a moment to process it. Not because I'm shocked that he's doing it. I pretty much knew. I'm sorry. I found out a few weeks ago. She sets the manual down. I was taking his dry cleaning in and I found her pink lipstick all over the collar. Maybe it's just an innocent hug. On the inside of his dress pants, too. And a receipt for a hotel in his pocket. You busted, Victor. You busted. That's what it says. I'm just reading what it says. I didn't make that up. I can't lie. I'm glad Alex knows, even if it hurts her. That was a few weeks ago, she said. Around the same time, she got a flat tire. Is that what sparked the tears, the questions? Kiss? And you know it's her? I should probably warn Boone in case Victor's the type of guy who gets territorial about his mistresses. People think 
I'm just some stupid money-grubbing wife. That I don't know what he's doing. Or that I should just look the other way and go shopping. A bitter chuckle escapes her lips. I don't even like shopping. I take a husband who loves me over all the money in the world. I like shopping. <clears throat> I miss malls. God. Miss the mall? Remember when like going to the mall was like an event? Like you could take a date. You could have a date at the mall. You know? When malls were a thing. Fucking Amazon ruined everything. Now they don't have malls anymore. What the fuck? What the fuck? Why don't we got malls anymore? I miss my malls. I miss them. I'm, I'm just being honest. I hardly know her, but I believe that she's telling the truth. And what do you say about it? She pauses. Nothing. I haven't mentioned it. Are you going to? I almost miss her head shake. It's so slight. But then she touches her cheek, her eyes drifting, and it clicks. You're afraid of what he'll do. Victor doesn't take well to accusations. Has she made that mistake before and learned her lesson? Do I want to know? I chew on that question until the words crumble in my mouth. He's screwing around on his beautiful young wife. I hate to see what life's going to be like for you down the road. There's a pause, and then she asks, so faintly, I almost miss it. You think I'm beautiful? Somehow, I can tell it's not a fishing expectation. Somehow... She hasn't figured out that she is. Hmm. I don't know. This all seems kind of far-fetched to me. Far-fetched. Oh, it is really far-fetched. Okay. keep my head down, quietly taking notes in my notebook. After a while, when Alex doesn't say anything, I hazard a glance over my shoulder to find her sitting cross-legged in a folding chair with her textbook in hand, watching me. Her eyes drop to her lap instantly. How did you and Victor meet? My mother owned a small cleaning business. I worked for her scrubbing strangers' toilets and washing floors, um, before and after school and on weekends, long before I was long before I was legally old enough to do so. Victor had a client. He had a condo in Seattle. I was 17 when I met him. A sad smile curls her lips as she reminisces. I was terrified of him at first. Sometimes I'd prepare meals and leave them in the fridge. 
I love to cook, and he'd leave me extra cash for having dinner ready for him. And he started leaving roses for me every week with the cash. One day he offered to treat me to dinner, and I said yes. He was kind and handsome and, and made all kinds of promises about taking care of me, paying for me to go to college. He said I'd have nothing to worry about. She shrugs. I was naive. And I had too many memories of waking up cold and hungry because we couldn't pay the bills. The last thing I wanted to do was follow in my mother's footsteps, working my fingers to the bone and collapsing in bed from exhaustion every night. I wanted more for my life, and he was offering it. So I took it. We got married just after my 18th birthday. Her chin tip dips down as she focuses on a spot on the ground, her voice soft and mocking as she admits. He seemed like Prince Charming, and I felt like Cinderella. And now? And now, the two simple words crackle over her rising emotion. She pauses, her chest puffing out with a deep, slow breath that she releases with her eyes closed. Now I don't believe in fairy tales, or at least not in Happily Ever After that Disney brainwashed with all of us. I opened my mouth. The urge to tell her that the night at the cellar wasn't the first place we met, overwhelming but I rein it back as a new thought springs to my mind. Maybe she doesn't want to remember that night. Maybe she regrets that night. Maybe she'd be too embarrassed to sit out here with me. That would suck because I'm, I'm enjoying getting to know her. As depressing as the topic of her marriage is. When her eyes lift, there's a hopelessness in them that she's kept firmly veiled until now. She stares at me, through me, beyond me, to somewhere I can't reach, but I hold her gaze, trying to follow. In slow motion, she shuts her book. Neither of us is going to get any work done. I should get going. At the door, she stops. Good night, Jessie. The tone in her voice is so soft, so sad, and yet so unbelievably sexy. I can't even form the simple words to answer her. 30 minutes later, struggling to focus because every slight noise has my eyes darting to the door. I finally pack up and leave. Okay, okay. Okay. It's not too bad, okay. We can do this, guys. One more chapter. Here we go. Chapter 14. Jane Doe. Now. A stranger stands before me in the dark, only the outline of his jaw visible. He is faceless, nameless, and yet I know that I know him. I reach up my fingers, gliding over his masculine features, reading them like a blind woman, regardless of what my eyes cannot confirm. I know that he is beautiful. I find his lips, 
soft and parted, I marvel at the feeling of hair drawing them, drawing through them, at the quickening of his breath, like the, like a cord severed by a swinging axe, our connection breaks, leaving me cocooned in cold dread. No one will ever touch you again, he hisses. That voice belongs to another faceless figure hovering over me, and I know I am about to experience pain like I have never felt before. I bolt upright in bed, the whispered promise swirling around me like a suffocating smoke, making me gasp and cough and claw at my throat for air. I will myself to breathe in and out as many surroundings come into focus, my heart hammering against my chest. What was that? Just a bad dream? Or was that a memory? It's a memory to you, but to me, it's a forgotten. <laughs> Thanks, Gab. All right. Because I can't deal with any more memories like that. I fold my arms around my stomach and clutch myself until my breathing calms, rocking back and forth the creaky springs in the mattress producing a rhythmic sound that slices through the night's silence. Sliding out of bed, I pad over to the wood stove, pulling my pajamas tight to ward off the cold. The fire that Sheriff Gabe helped me light earlier burnt now burns low. I chuck more logs in then <clears throat> I chuck more logs in and then head to the kitchen for a glass of water, my eyes drifting toward the window and a spotlight shining from the front of the Wells's garage. I peer out to see a lens. So I, I peer out and see a lean but solid frame pass through it, several pieces of wood cradled within his arms. It's Jesse, and he's heading toward the property line. He throws a leg over the rickety old fence, definitely more than a pinky toe. Jenny would be freaking out. He disappears from view just below my window, only for a few seconds, though, and then he reappears empty-handed. Climbing back over, he collects more wood from the nearly stacked pile against their garage before repeating the trek. Sheriff Gabe warned that nights would be cold for another two months, and I could use whatever I need from their stock. I figured I'd be the one collecting tomorrow. I definitely didn't think that meant his son would be doing it for me. At a glance at the clock shows me that it's after three in the morning. I ease myself up onto the counter, curling my good leg under me to get comfortable while my injured one hangs free. And I watch Jesse Wells, the boy who somehow earned Jenny's wrath, bring me my firewood in the middle of the night. One of these days, I'm going to learn to ride you, Felix. I murmur, curling the massive horse's crimped brown mane of fur around my fingers. And then I start giggling. I know. Ginny's a bit eccentric, isn't she? Amber says, um, running a brush against the 
black horse's mane as it drinks from the stream that runs through the coral, the corral, just behind the barn. If she had her way, I'd be named Felix, too. Meredith wasn't kidding about Ginny's per peculiarities. It isn't enough that her cat and her dog are both named Felix. When I heard the barn doors rattle open this morning at precisely 8 a.m., I rushed down to see how I could help. I found Ginny at the far end, standing in front of a stall, wearing rubber boots and a stern frown, a pitchfork in her hand. It took some t uh, convincing her that my limpy leg, as she called it, wouldn't hinder my ability to muck the stalls. Then she had to teach me what mucking the stalls meant. <laughs> Nothing about these horses, the smell of their stable, the sound of the melee filling their trough, the sheer size of them as I stand next to them feel second nature to me. I have to assume that I don't have a lot of experience with these sorts of animals. I do know that I was exhausted after cleaning out just one stall. If all 16 stables were filled. <sighs> it was while changing out the buckets for fresh water that I noted the horseshoe hanging above the stable door and the name Felix etched into it. Stifling my laugh because Ginny was busy in the black and white horse's stall, I glanced over to see a matching Felix above that one too. Sure enough, both horses are named Felix. I can teach you to ride him if you want, Amber offers, reaching over to slap the brown and white Felix's side. This one's more tolerant of riders. He answers by nuzzling against her neck, making her giggle. Was the barn ever full? Yeah, it was really something to watch. The horses would run laps around the corral. She waves her hand, tracing an imaginary path in the air. Ginny's father, Mr. Fitzgerald, loved horses. When I was eight, he convinced my parents to go get me one, one of my own. Man, I want a horse. He let me stable her here for free. I named her Pegasus. Lame. I nod, remembering seeing that name etched into one of the horseshoes above an empty stall. All of the stables still have names above them, except for one giant one at the end, which Ginny says is for foaling. There are five more Felixes. I know who named those, along with a myriad of others. Some names cute like licorice and others more stately like triumph and retribution. What happened to her? She died of colic when I was 18. I cried for a week straight. I'll get another horse one day when I'm back from traveling. If Jenny's father had been alive when Pegasus died, it would have convinced me to get another one right away. She sighs, switching brushes for a round one for a round one to begin rubbing the horse's body in a circular motion. 
Switching brushes for a round one to begin rubbing the horse's body in a circular motion. There. I was so sad when that man died. He was like a third grandpa to me. I copy Amber with a second round brush, running it around Felix and Felix the Brown's midsection. What was he like? Fat, jolly. She says with a wistful air. Ginny's mom was nice too, but much quieter. I don't think they knew what to do with Ginny. I used to be afraid of her growing up. Didn't understand why she was the way she was. I still don't, really. We groom the horses in silence, until their coats shine, and Amber has shown me how to clean their hooves. Tossing the tools into the wooden box we carried out with us, I reach down to clean my hands in the stream. My fingerprints... My fingertips go numb within seconds of being submerged in the cold water. Still, it's refreshing. I don't pull them out, watching the current as it flows freely over a bed of smooth stones. Water. I smile, catching the right way. Tattoo. I'm sure she could have guessed that that would be the first word to pop into my head. When neither of us knows, what no one knows is why I have a tattoo of water on my pelvis. Was it an arbitrary choice? It certainly isn't a common choice, like a bird or a butterfly. So there must be a reason for it. Something important enough to permanently mark myself with a symbol representing it. That's what I want to believe, anyway. The stream runs off the snow from the mountains. It'll be bone dry in midsummer. I frown. But it's what, six feet wide? Summers get dry around here, she laughs. We also have a lake about half mile back that way, Amber points into the wilderness. You should take a walk out there one day. I will. My leg can certainly use the exercise. It's bad enough that I have a giant scar running down the length of my face. I'd really like this limp to go away. And the only way that's going to happen is by strengthening it. We'll go camping by the lake when it's warm enough. I haven't done that in a couple of years, but I miss it. The stars are unreal. I haven't. Have I ever gone camping? Her eyes roll over the field to our left, covered in pale yellow flowers. In another month or two, everything will turn brown. It'll still be beautiful, though. Yeah. She nods in agreement. Sisters may be small, but it's a great town with lots of nice people. Just wait until the summer. We have a big rodeo and a quilt fair. Lots of tourists come through the for the mountains. If you drive up there, you'll see the wildflowers. There are literally hundreds of different kinds. I inhale the fresh air, Amber's words drifting off as my thoughts wander. Will I still be here for all of that? I hope that I am. This place feels like it fits me somehow. I pull my fingers out of the stream, red from the brief exposure, and stand. This water is freezing. Yeah, it doesn't warm up much. Jesse and I used to swim in it as kids. We'd be blue and we'd come out. 
Even in the middle of summer. Jesse. Hey, Janine doesn't seem to like your brother much, does she? I play my curiosity. Down by picking up a stone and tossing it, creating a soft, small splash. You think? She mutters wryly. Why? What'd she say? She didn't. She just called him a bad egg. Told me to stay away from him. It's probably not bad advice. I feel her eyes on me. Oh, jeez. We were in grade school. We still hung out together a lot. I had some of the same friends. But then we got to high school and Jesse started hanging out with trouble. The riffraff, my dad called them. Kids who got arrested for drugs and stealing and vandalism. Two of them are in jail right now. I looked over to see her face twisted in disgust. Can you imagine how that looked for my dad? Everyone knows our family around here. Some of the stuff that happened. I've never seen my cry like, my cry like that over anything before. So Jesse did all that stuff too? The guy who brought me all that wood might also steal from me? Amber shrugs. I mean, smoke pot. <laughs> what a terrible thing. <laughs> but not the other stuff. It was just bad enough that he was around it. Stupid teenage boy syndrome. I knew he got teased a lot about being the sheriff's son. People were always nervous around us, thinking we'd rat them out if they did something wrong. It wasn't as hard on me, though. Probably because I'm a girl. Anyway, my dad and Jesse have been butting heads for years, but they haven't been too bad lately. Jesse's got problems with being controlled, and my dad has problems with not being in control. Giving Felix the black a gentle slap on the hind, Amber starts walking toward the house, box of grooming supplies in hand. I have to get going to work. I follow, leaving the horses to graze. I think my dad wanted to talk to you about getting a new ID. Yeah, I want to talk to him about that too. Uh, I need to give him a new name before he can finish up the paperwork. Amber yanks a flower from the ground, twirling it between her fingertips. I can't imagine naming myself. It'd be weird. What were you thinking of? I have no idea. But I should come up with something soon. I'll be meeting new people. Hopefully getting a job. I don't want it to be as Jane anymore. My mom mentioned something about asking Dakota for a job. That art store that takes Ginny's quilts. She said Dakota went to school with you? <laughs> yeah. Amber hesitates, and I can tell she wants to tell me more. What is it? Just, she's nice enough, but... She cringes. No, I'll let you... I'll let you form your own opinion. But if she offers you brownies, just say no. <laughs> but I frown. What's wrong with eating her brownies? Amber shakes her head, but she doesn't answer that. Just remember to keep the information about yourself to yourself, okay? She grew up in this town, so knowing everyone else's business and spreading it is in her blood. 
figure out a story about who you are to Ginny and stick with it, stick to it. God knows the whole town will be buzzing when they learn the crazy tree quill lady has someone living with her. So, lie? Yeah, yes, pretty much. Otherwise, everyone will come up with their own stories about you. I turn to catch your eyes on the side of my face, on my scar. Amber and Meredith are just about the only two people I'm not self-conscious around. They've both seen me at my worst. But the idea of my new eyes... So many new eyes. But, but the idea of new eyes, so many new eyes, on my face for the first time makes me, makes my shoulders tense up. We're just passing the barn when a slam cracks the quiet, followed by the low rumble of an engine. An inexplicable warmth flows through me. Somehow I know that's Jesse's car. It has to be. Jenny was ranting about how loud it was yesterday. I don't mind the vibration deep in my chest, though. I actually like the feel of it. It's somehow comforting. We round the side of the barn to find Jenny hanging off the edge of her porch with a quilt grasped in her fingers, a scowl on her brow as she glares over at the Wells' property. Her lips are moving fast to no one in particular. Complaining to the mangy dog about her behind her about Jesse probably the black sports car pulls into view with Jesse in the driver's seat his crisp white shirt a stark contrast to his olive complexion and short ash brown hair I can see both Meredith and Gabe in him though he is certainly a he has certainly acquired his father's bottomless gaze a bottomless gaze that settled on me even from this distance, I can feel its intensity. He raises the hand that's on his steering wheel. It's not actually a wave, but it's as close to a hello as he has given me so far. I wonder what the deal is. I instinctively look away, look toward Ginny, to, and find her glaring at me now. When I turn back, Sheriff Gabe is standing next to Jesse's car in his uniform. He slaps the roof of his son's car and points in the direction of the road, as if he's kicking him out. With a flat glare toward his father, and one last quick glance my way, Jesse guns the car and tires, his tires kicking up rocks and dirt. The engine tears into the silence as he speeds away, and I watch the rectangular tailgates taillights disappear past the house. The hell? Guess I'll be seeing you, brother, Amber mutters. She reaches out to pinch my elbow. I'm working an afternoon stretch this week, so you won't see me much. Text or call if you need anything. I watch her leave, intentionally avoiding the glower. Glower, I can feel pouring holes into the back of, from the porch. Into my back from the porch. I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe if I stand here long enough, Ginny will forget. Not likely. I thought he moved out. Ginny's reedy voice hollers. 
Sheriff Gabe has thrown a leg over the fence and is headed my way, his boots crunching the gravel. I don't really know him, not the way I know Meredith and Amber. He made a total of three visits to the hospital, simply to say that there was nothing new to report about the investigation. For a man who deals with politicians, the media, the and citizens, he's not much of a talker, but his very presence, strong and controlled, must make up for it. Good morning, Jenny. Reaches up to tip his hat toward her, ignoring her comment, making his way over to me. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. How are you? His lips purse together, and he nods once. I guess that's his answer. Glancing back over his shoulder toward the house, where Jenny's settling back down into her porch swing, he says, I see Jenny's in fine form. That makes me smile. She's okay. I saw you in the barn earlier today. Helping her with the horses. That's good. She appreciates the help. Even if she won't ever say it. Now it's my turn to nod. You do a lot for her, don't you? I try to. Before Dad died, I promised him that I would. Our families go way back. He pauses. I'm glad you chose to come here. It was smart. I didn't have many options. I admit, then quickly add, but I'm glad too. It's beautiful here. He offers a small smile. You'll be safe here. Safe. That word. What does it really mean? Did I think I was safe before too? Before I wasn't? Any news of my case? His frown returns. <clears throat> uh, no, um, no. No, uh, all the evidence is cataloged, and I'm waiting for a break. I'm still watching the missing persons reports, but nothing fits. Every time Sheriff Gabe talks about the investigation, he makes it sound like he's taken on all the work himself. There have been no inquiries of any kind coming across my desk. So, what, what does that mean? He begins fumbling with the badge on his chest. It means I don't think whoever did this is actively looking for you. It was probably a guy driving through on the way east or west, putting as much distance between your body and himself as he could. It's not the first time I've heard of a body being dumped in the wilderness. Probably didn't realize you were still alive. And with no DNA match to the criminal database, no witnesses, and no information about you. I'm aiming to targets in the dark, in outer space. I frown. But didn't you say the place was just outside town? It's not really the wilderness, is it? It is for city folk. So you're saying he's just going to get away with what he did to me? A faceless man in my nightmare. This problem is still weighing heavily on my mind. We'll walk free. Unpunished. I'm saying that you're safe here. You can put all of their focus, all of your focus, on getting better. Don't need to be afraid. 
as long as the guy thinks you're dead, he has no reason to come back. So let's keep it quiet. The people and sisters don't need to know the truth. He's telling me to lie, just like Amber did. I nod slowly. Still grazing in the corral, Felix and Felix suddenly take off. The brown horse chasing the black one as one gallops through the stream. Their powerful legs sending water splashing in every direction. Water splashing. Water splashing. My eyes widen. What's wrong? Sheriff Gabe asks, sudden panic in his deep voice. I don't. My deep frown tugs at my scar. I'm not sure. There's something. A feeling. Is this what Dr. Weimer warned me about? A fragment of a memory? What is it? Sheriff Gabe pushes, moving to stand in front of me on to block my view of the stream, his stern, authoritative tone now in full effect, eyes black as coal sinking into me. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, especially mine. It's so vague. I couldn't even describe it if I wanted to, except to say that it made me feel happy. Jane? Ugh. Jane's right. Even Felix would be better than Jane. I don't know. It's probably nothing. I was hoping it was something, but I shake my head slowly watching the horses as they disappear over her crest. I guess that's the only clue they're going to give me, and it's not enough. It's not. Sheriff Gabe's shoulders sag, almost with relief. Amber gave you my direct line, right? I nod. The cell phone she dropped off yesterday came fully programmed with all their numbers, except for Jesse's. For some reason, I noticed that straight away. Also, Jane, I need a name. The judge will sign off on the paperwork, and we can get you temporary identification quickly, but I need a name. How about Felix? I joke half-heartedly. He lets out a loud snort. It's as close to a laugh as I've ever heard from him. <laughs> uh, listen... You can't drive that truck off this property until you have a license. I don't care what Jenny tells you. I'm still the sheriff. Got it. I agree solemnly. He tips his broad-rimmed hat and strolls away. Oh. Okay. A little over an hour, but we did good. I think we did really good. I tried to really focus that... Last stretch, and look at that, only 14 tangents. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, made it through two more chapters. Remember, everyone, those who blaze together go twice as high together. And I love you, and I wish you all the best. See you next time.